Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am joined by Joan Skinars. Joan is the practice group chair of Trust and Estate Department at Dickinson Wright, and she practices in Troy, Michigan. Joan, welcome to the Money Wisdom Podcast. (laughs) Good morning, Melissa. Nice to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We are recording this in April 2020 in the middle of a stay-at-home order here in Michigan and for most of the country. And, you know, it sounds morbid, but when I heard that there was a pandemic and we really realized this was a reality here in America, one of the first things I thought about was don't worry about toilet paper, get your estate documents in order. You might be in the hospital without control. And so these are conversations you and I have often um, about what's, what are the most important documents for people? Have you been thinking the same or, you know, how has your thought process changed and what, how have you been helping people? Um, Absolutely. So I, I think I've grasped one motto Um, since we've been dealing with COVID-19. And that is, and I've talked to my clients about this, don't be panicked, be prepared. And so, because being prepared helps alleviate the panic. Um, And so what I've talked to my clients about is making sure their very basic documents are in order. So um, thinking about, obviously, this is a health pandemic. So the first thing that comes to mind is medical powers of attorney and making sure that you have your medical powers of attorney in place where if you are incapacitated or you can't communicate your medical wishes, that you have a patient advocate named to make those decisions for you. And so that's really the number one document that comes to mind for me as an estate planner right now in making sure that those documents are in place so that if something does happen um, medically, that someone can make those decisions for you. Um, Again, things are happening very quickly right now. uh, you know, in, in, in the world and with the threat of this virus. And so having that medical document in place is really important. And it's a very simple document to get together. So what information would you need for that document? You need to know someone else who can make decisions for you and maybe a second person behind that, behind them. Correct. Correct. Exactly. And so for a lot of my clients, um, you know, they, they've had their estate plans done for a number of years And so for some of them, it's dusting off that document, Um, you know, seeing if the correct people are named, because sometimes I have clients who had younger children at the time that they put their planning together. Now those children are adults, and truly they would rather have their adult children make those medical decisions for them rather than, for example, their parents, who perhaps they had named years ago, who are now more elderly 
and would be less likely to make those decisions for them. And so it's about reviewing the current documents you have, if you have those medical powers of attorney in place, or if you don't have them, getting them in place. So you're exactly right. Who should be that number one person as your patient advocate to make those decisions? And then definitely naming a backup in case that person can't be reached or isn't available. So let's say that you do have the document, it's in order. Is there a conversation you should be having with the person named just to mention, hey, I, you remember this or um, here's where it's kept or something like that? Absolutely. So number one, it's to make sure that person has a copy of that document. Um, and right now, I feel like people are getting a lot more comfortable with technology than they ever have before. So that is a document that does not have social security numbers listed in it. So it's very safe to transmit electronically. So you can certainly scan in that document and make sure that the person who you've named has an electronic copy of it that they can keep with them. Um, so if something does happen that they can pull it up on their phone to show to the medical um, care provider. And they should definitely talk to the person they've named as patient advocate about what their medical wishes are. For example, what kind of life-saving treatment do you want? Would you want to be put on life support? Um, would you rather not be kept in a persistent vegetative state? You know, those really tough, I know that this is not rainbows and unicorns um, discussion to have with your family, but it's really important to give your family members that peace of mind. So if they were put in that difficult position of making those end of life care decisions, that they have more confidence in doing so because you have explained your wishes to them. Again, being prepared, not panicked. I think there are, you, hopefully you never have to use one of those conversations in your decision-making in the near future. But having those discussions, I, I had a um, similar discussion with my dad um, in our last phone conversation in just talking about, you know, hey, it sounds awful to be on a ventilator. Here are some of my thoughts of what he shared with me. And you, someday that may be so reassuring that you can pull out of your, you know, recollections, their personal feelings. Um, because really as a, a patient advocate, you want to honor the person and their desires and make a decision on their behalf like they would make for themselves. So Correct. You're, you're supposed to be stepping into their shoes and making the decision to be their voice for them when they don't have a voice. So this actually has nothing to do with what the patient advocate thinks. This is about what, the, you know, what, what, what your parent or loved one thinks that the right decision is for them. It's about stepping into their shoes, not making the decisions yourself. So I would say you're really giving a gift to your family members or your friends and loved ones who you, who you choose to name if you do go that extra step to have a discussion about your perspective. Um, Absolutely. Another document I've thought about is a durable power of attorney. So, you know, we're, we're unable to travel right now. Still financial transactions need to occur. You may need to sign something or, um, uh, you know, for other reasons, have uh, a, someone else act on, upon your behalf. Is that something that you're recommending for people as well? Absolutely. Um, so durable powers of attorney for finances 
allow an agent who you name to be able to do financial transactions for you just as you described. So um, being able to make deposits into bank accounts, being able to pay bills, being able to file tax returns. Again, in the scenario that you are in the hospital and you need someone to step into your shoes and keep your finances running to help support your kids and your spouse, um, you know, to keep your life up and running, it's really important to have this um, document in place to keep your financial well-being up and running, to keep those bills paid, um, you know, to, to file whatever documents would need to be required. Um, it, it, so again, so that you're prepared for that situation. And then of course, uh, if possible, at some point in time, it's important to have a will, in some cases a trust, established in order to fulfill your wishes of asset transfer. But, you know, that's kind of like lower or higher on the Maslow's hierarchy of desired estate planning documents, perhaps. Right. And I think the thing to focus on with wills and trusts is don't be overwhelmed by the idea of getting these documents in place. Right now, again, it's better to be prepared. So it is better to have a basic plan in place than to have nothing in place. So if you're like a number of my clients where you've put off getting these documents in place because you just can't quite agree or decide on who you want to receive your assets or under what circumstances. For instance, let's say that you have children in their 20s and you just haven't quite figured out yet if you were to pass away, could they receive those assets outright without squandering the assets. So oftentimes I have clients who put off putting together their estate planning documents because they're waiting to see how their kids turn out. You know, are yep. they going to turn out to be financially responsible? Right now, plan for today, and you can always make amendments to those documents later. So think about if you were to go into the hospital tomorrow and something were to happen, be prepared. How would you want your children or your loved ones to inherit the assets? And let's get a basic plan in place now so that, you know, we're not just falling under default Michigan law, which would give everything outright. Um, and you may be creating more problems by not having a plan in place. So again, being, taking this opportunity to be prepared and to make some of those decisions. Yeah, I I think you may know your kids are going to be turn out great as decision makers for financial matters. That doesn't mean that they're ready at 22 or 24. And some and some kids are. I am working with a client now who is um, managing her father's estate in her mid 20s and very capable. So, you know, it goes without saying that we're not giving legal advice to anyone in particular here. This is just general information. I'm not an, an attorney and, and don't work on estate planning matters, but often people come to me and one of the first things they say is, we knew we needed a financial plan. I don't have any estate planning in order. And so, you know, oftentimes simultaneous to working on financial planning, it's like, yes, you do. And here, it, when we can go through, you know, kind of your financial world to see what it looks like, maybe it's a little bit easier to make those decisions. And I, I agree with you. I think there's the Winston Churchill quote is, perfection is the enemy of progress where if you know you need it, 
Um, certainly you can improve a document or an estate plan over time, but there's no time like the present. And of course, current circumstances are a, a, um, a challenging reminder that, you know, don't put things off. Right. And it doesn't have to be hard or insurmountable. You know, when I work with clients to put together their wills and trusts, I really only have a few basic questions that they need to answer. Number one, who should be put in charge of things when they pass away? Who can shoulder the responsibility as trustee and as we use the term um, most commonly executor um, mm -hmm. of your estate? Um, who is that person who could handle that responsibility of getting your assets to your family members or loved ones as you have instructed in your documents? So number one, pick that responsible person. And number two, who do you want to receive your assets when you pass away? And then we can get into more of the questions about how do you want those assets transferred? At what ages or under what circumstances? But really, if you can answer those basic questions, you can get your planning in place in short order. And again, um, you know, once you have that planning together, you're prepared for the situation and your family and loved ones are benefiting from your preparedness. Certainly it is. It's a, again, it's a gift that you've done the preparation to, uh, to have your wishes fulfilled, but also for your family to know that that's what you wanted. Right. So changing subjects just a little bit, because as you've been, um, as we were preparing for this discussion, you mentioned a kind of mantra, prepare for everything, which is what both financial planning and estate planning really try to do is anticipate not just, you know, what you think is going to happen, but all of the possibilities. We both are parents of minor children. Just said hi to your son um, <laughs> as we were about to hop on the call. And, um, you know, you have to think about possibilities in a time like this of what if, you know, our family gets sick and the adults can't, are maybe home but ill. Um, and, and you mentioned a terrific, you know, kind of game plan that you discussed with your friends. So can you share that with, with us? Absolutely. And this um, isn't necessarily, you know, a, a legal discussion because it doesn't entail any type of a document that you need to contact an attorney to get together. This is just about your own plan for your own family in the circumstance that, that you described. So if you are, you and your spouse are too ill to take care of minor children who are in the house, um, I've talked to my children and I've also talked to a group of about three of my close friends and we have a plan put together where if my husband and I are too ill to be able to care for our children, um, but we're still physically in the house, um, which is the reality of COVID. Um, mm -hmm. The reality is, you know, you might not end up in the hospital um, in these dire circumstances. The reality may be that you're just too ill um, to care for your children, and you're both in a position where you can't cook for them, you can't take care of their basic needs. So we've had a conversation with our children um, to talk to them about what are the quick, simple, basic meals that they can prepare for themselves to try to keep them to try to keep themselves healthy if something like that were to happen. And we did talk to some of our friends to kind of put our emergency team together. If we can't get out of bed to care for our children, 
this team of people, this team of friends, will coordinate with one another to drop off a meal for the children once a day between all of them, um, uh, you know, to drop off one meal a day, to FaceTime with the kids, to check in with them, to make sure that, you know, they, they haven't painted each other with markers that they weren't <laughs> supposed to get into. Which in my household would be, you know, um, I think the cats have a better chance of making it through without some bumps and bruises than the kids do. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so it's, again, just being prepared for that situation so that you have that plan in place. Um, so that if you do come down with something that you're less panicked about it because you have this plan B in place um, where someone can keep your household up and running from a distance. Because what I naturally think of in this circumstance and what a lot of parents think about is, all right, I would have my kids stay with grandparents right, um, or I would right. have my kids stay with a babysitter, have a babysitter come into the house. With COVID, that's not possible with the stay-at-home order. And so we need to be prepared for that circumstance in the unfortunate event that that happens, that we can keep our households up and running while we're not up and running as parents. I had, um, we've been using the stay-at-home time for some life skills for our 10-year-old. So he prepares lunch. He kind of comes over, takes your order. <laughs> I, I went to the oven the other day and there was a post-it note Gus, remember to turn off the um, oven after you use it. And it was written by him to him. Um, <laughs> so, you know, some of those life skills that we just kind of time slips away and it, we're in a, you know, kind of a fast, casual um, lifestyle nowadays, take those opportunities to have those conversations. And I think it's, it's, um, it's, similar to estate planning in general, that there are documents that you need, but there's also conversations that don't have to be tied up or bound by a legal stature that are also, you know, really important conversations to have about the people you love and care for. And so I just thought that was a great idea. That's right. And to help them be prepared to have more peace of mind. You know, your son is going to feel more comfortable cooking lunch you know, for, for your family, if something does happen, it will be less scary for him because he's prepared. Um, so you're right. It's, it's a good time to help hone those life skills that because of soccer games and otherwise, um, you know, in our ordinary life that we haven't had the time to do. Right. Yeah. I think that, well, we may be looking back on the our recollection from this time period with life-defining moments. And, and some of those may be those life skills. Why not? Right. So things get back to normal or someone's listening to this conversation saying, you know what, you're right. It's time for me to do something. Um, are you able to do estate planning with the stay-at-home orders or is everything on hold for now? We are. We are able to complete our estate plans due to the governor issued an executive order on April 8th. And by that executive order, we are now as estate planners officially sanctioned to conduct remote signings. So I have actually completed a number of estate plans with clients using um, video technology. So just like you and I are speaking to one another to do this podcast today, mm -hmm. Um, we do that now for our estate plans and it's a fairly simple procedure and 
what's been nice about it um, is that when we do our signings, I'm in my home, the client is in the safety of their own home, and we're able to execute full estate plans that are legal and binding. Um, so it gives the client the peace of mind um, that their planning is done without having to be in violation of the stay-at-home order, or without trying to um, frantically meet somewhere to gather signatures. Um, so it safe. really, yeah, it does. It does. That's great. And I would just encourage people that if you don't take action now, but you know you need to, that you schedule a time to really thoughtfully lay things out. But remember that you don't have to be perfect. Something is better than nothing. Um, so for all of us, there are documents that would, would help our family members and, each, and our wishes to be fulfilled. So don't ignore that over time. Right. And just um, add one last comment yes, to the parents who are out there like you and I. Um, it's really important. And I read an article um, uh, yesterday that came out regarding a family who both mom and dad are in the hospital and right. they have left some minor children that, that are home alone. They have an older child who is, I believe, 20 um, in charge of two minor children. I read in that, that article circums too. Yeah, in the Detroit yeah. Free Press. Yeah. Right. And and so that to me brings to mind, you know, I talked about how important that medical power of attorney is. The other vital document to get in place if you have minor children is a parental designation of guardian form. Mm, so if something right. does happen and you need someone to have physical custody of your child and the ability to care for them, you can buy a simple one-page form designate an individual to care for your children and have custody of your children in the state of Michigan. And so that form is very important right now if you have a minor child. And again, if you do no other piece of estate planning, talk to your, um, talk to your loved one about who it makes sense to name as guardian for your minor child and get that document in place. And that way, heaven forbid something happens, you've got the person named who you feel could care for your child. So I just wanted to leave you with yeah, that no, last please, piece that, of information. That's wonderful and so appropriate right now. So Joan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this information is really valuable both during current COVID-19 times as well as you know throughout time. So we appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate being here. and um, Take care and be safe. Thanks. You too, Melissa. Thanks, Joan. You can access our first eight episodes now, and we'll be releasing new episodes each Monday. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.